Welcome to Wisdom Personified, Conversations with Dudum Somi, a passionate and relentless pursuit of exploring how individuals use good judgment in everyday life, both in their personal and professional lives. Dr. Seuss says, you have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can steer yourself in any direction you choose. I think this quote captures the spirit that seems to have driven the life of my guest, Mulefe Mputa Puta. He is the Chief Operating Officer of Royal Energy. I am honored to have him for this conversation of Wisdom Personified Conversations with Dudum Somi. We have not spent much time chatting since our student days at the University of Natal Durban, almost 30 years ago. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much for making the time. Eventually. <laughs> Has it been that difficult? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, because I was thinking of you, but you were in the UK at that time. So eventually yeah. came back. You needed to settle back in, but anyway. So we met at the University of Natal, Howard College, Durban, which is now called Guazulu Natal. I still can't get over it. I still call it Natal. <laughs> but anyway, so I did not know you uh, before your pre-teen years. What was your pastime as a child? Do you have siblings? I know you used to speak about your grandmother a lot when we were kids, so. Yeah, look, I'm... Um I grew up in Rustenburg. I was born and raised in Rustenburg in the Northwest. Um, a child of a migrant laborer who traveled from the Eastern Cape, like everybody else, looking for, uh, for an opportunity in the platinum mines of Rustenburg. Uh, so, mm. come from a family of four children. Uh, I'm the second born. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately lost both my parents and my sister, older oh, no. sister, yeah. So, but I still have my younger brother and my younger a sister, mm-hmm. uh, both of which are in Rustenburg. Still? Yeah, okay. uh, doing different things. Pastime activity, yeah, so I grew up, uh, I think the formative years uh, of my life, I spent a great deal of time at my grandmother's. Mm-hmm. And there was this old man, uh, the neighbor, and Chaka, as we used to call him, right? So he had some cows and he had one horse. I think he was originally from the Sutu. Yeah. So before i started school so my daily routine was actually joining him early in the morning um, when he was milking the cows oh and that was a very fun activity i would be rewarded uh, oh, okay. uh, with uh, fresh hot milk straight from the cow oh wow and later in the afternoon i would uh, join him uh, on horseback uh, to go fetch the cows right um so um exciting um i think formative years of my life taught me a lot of lessons about humanity about working hard about the importance of routine mm. <laughs> you know so <laughs> which um that's a class i missed <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah you know when, when other lucky people went to uh, preschool you know that was for me preschool yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah that was the routine sleeping at preschool <laughs> Now you remind me. Okay. <laughs> and the one thing I remember about, I mean, I, I'm still fascinated that we were so close, so young. But I mean, only now do I figure out 
I was doing honors, you were doing first year. <laughs> the fact that even at that age you were young, you were wise already. <laughs> so it's fascinating. But what do you think your unique value proposition is? Uh, what makes you memorable and impactful? Yeah, I think as a, as a friend, um, it's, I think it's more around uh, always building people. You know, I, I, I always aspire to see people reach their potential. Um, the same for my children, the same for my wife. Mm. And I think in the sort of professional side of things, I have over many years developed uh, this thing about, you know, developing high performance integrated teams. And, and the foundation of that being focusing first on the individuals, making sure that they are grounded on good values, good ethics, um, and, and highly focused. Mm. And um, I think that's probably the legacy I leave behind in all the teams that I've uh, managed, uh, both here as well as abroad. That's you know. amazing, yeah. yeah. And it's amazing, not too many people mention the word ethics when they're yeah. building teams, which is critical. <laughs> True. I mean, I do work in personal leadership, and one of the main things is your ethics, because that can um, unravel a lot of things if that's not oh, in yeah. place. Look, I mean, it, 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 I'm happy you're touching on that point. I, I think we live in, a, uh, in, in times that throw a lot of dilemmas at uh, us as individuals, as well as business leaders. and. Uh, there's no better way to navigate dilemmas uh, if you don't have a good value system uh, and, and good ethics, because at times you are forced to make uh, very uh, far-reaching decisions, mm. and uh, if you are not grounded, um, you know you might make decisions that might have uh, negative uh, effects on not just on yourself but on on a number of people. Yeah, uh, I think we've got many examples in our country of what or how things can go wrong when mm. we don't have good uh, ethical uh, leaders mm. uh, in charge, whether in government or in business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you are the Chief Operating Officer of Royal Energy. What is the core business of Royal Energy? Uh, Royal is a, <coughs> it's a very uh, entrepreneurial uh, uh, young energy company in the country. It's about 20 years old. It's 100% black owned uh, by the uh, PGC uh, Management uh, PTY Limited. Um, we pride ourselves as uh, being um, uh, one of the biggest uh, non-integrated uh, oil company in the country with quite a significant market share. We play in both the retail and wholesale spaces. And, um, and there is room for the business uh, to go to greater heights in terms of shaping the future of um, the South African energy space. Yeah. I'm very yeah. proud of that decision, I must say, as an aside, leaving a global company yeah. and coming back to our roots and helping our local uh, companies also thrive, like the multinational shell that you had worked with. So that was really a wise decision, I think. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's a decision that did not come easy. Mm. Um, but I think deep down within me, I've always had the, as part of my end game, <laughs> had the wish to make a meaningful contribution to the country. And, and, uh, and this decision for me was key in a sense that uh, 
it provides me that opportunity to uh, be part of a business that is growing, not the already well-established, mm. uh, you know, big oil as we call them, because big oil has got a different agenda, and they will always have a different agenda for our country. Mm. And uh, when I made this decision for me, it was really around how do I make sure I build longevity and, and built a legacy in my own country. Yeah, which is perfect in terms of the question that I'm just going to ask you now. What wisdom can you share on what considerations one should think about when choosing a company to work for that makes for a fulfilling career? Yeah, that's that's quite an interesting question. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for that. I've, I've had to navigate, uh, you know, in my career, I've, I've not worked for many companies, but at least made uh, decisions along the way. I think for me, before I even talk career, I think it's important to talk about being grounded as a person. Uh, being grounded helps you to identify who you are, what you stand for, um, your value system, your beliefs. Uh, those are very, for me, are key ingredients for decision making. Mm. Because you use those to even decide who you associate with. Yeah. Who do you want to work for? Mm -hmm. uh, and then second element for me is really understanding what your end game is. What is it that you want to achieve in your career? And how uh, a particular environment or a particular role in a particular company will help you get there. Uh, most people make the mistake sometimes of only thinking about the next role. Uh, I teach um, most people that I coach about thinking about their end game, which is, you know, simply put what is the last job you want to do before retirement and and that sort of helps to build a more focused development path for them which they can use to even decide on key things such as what qualifications do I still need to work on what experiences do I need and therefore which organizations and which roles should I consider along that path mm -hmm. yeah Interesting. Let's go now to your own qualifications. Yeah. So when we met, you were doing your undergrad mm -hmm. in BSc Engineering. So you yeah. did chemical engineering. So then what motivated you later to pursue the commerce stream? So you did the BCom and later an MBA. Yeah. So how did I even end up doing a BSc in the first place? So, so yeah. for me, I always say it's probably one of the first economic decisions I needed to make in my life. So I grew up uh, in subject poverty and uh, I was not going to get any funding to go to university. So getting a bursary was one of the ways for me to get education. And in that process, I ended up uh, deciding maybe I should pursue an engineering career. Uh, in order to be able to secure some funding <laughs> at the time. Uh -huh. um, but I think soon after uh, I finished my qualification and started working, I did realize that uh, I am not much of a technocrat. Uh, I actually get motivated by what I call the end-to-end -end view or picture of a business uh -huh. uh, as opposed to specialization. And uh, in order for me to move into more of a general management uh, sphere, I needed to retool myself <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and build more of my commercial skill set. And yeah. And, and yeah, that was the decision. Uh, and so while I was still working, I started uh, 
in my BCom uh, earlier on in my career, yeah. uh, which I did part-time. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I was supposed to register as well. <laughs> yeah, but, um, uh, I'm not uh, good at correspondence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was funny actually how yeah. I, I decided on the BCom. I, I think I made that decision uh, already year two of, of my, you know, my, my, my career. Um, but then it was too early to do an MBA. Mm. So, but, oh, yeah. but I, I didn't was, want I to. I was told that. Yeah. I so, like, so I didn't want to see management experience. <laughs> so I didn't want to see them do nothing, yeah. right? Okay. So I said, that no, let, let me do something that yeah. will at least help me prepare. But, but I ended up doing something quite interesting, uh, which sort of helped my um, uh, economic uh, optimization and, and modeling skills. You know, I did a BCom in quantitative management, mm -hmm. uh, what other people will call operations research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was, That's it was quite fun one. actually. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> See, the thing is that some of us kind of like let time pass, you know. It's like when somebody says you're not ready. I mean, when I was told I was not ready for the MBA because yeah. I needed more management, I did the PMD. You do something. Yeah, you don't do, just like exactly, sit and yeah. wait until. Yeah, no, not true. Know. Yeah. yeah. So on your LinkedIn profile, you say that I'm passionate about developing emerging business leaders to reach their potential. Can you expand more on that? Uh, who has been your most impactful role model in your journey as a business leader thus far? Uh, no doubt. I think one of my uh, biggest uh, motivators and influencers has been Bonang Mohali. Mm. I, I think partly because I worked with him as well at Shell and, and I got to know him closer, uh, more as a person, uh, uh, you know, other than just the Bonang that people normally see out there, right? Yes. So, so a few things I think uh, attracted me to him. I think one is his value system. Uh, his belief in his family, uh, which sort of resonate with my approach to life. Mm -hmm. I'm, I've, I've come to appreciate the importance of creating a balance in life where you look at your career as part of the whole, not as something that is a standalone, right? Uh, and then you sort of treat everything else on the mm -hmm. side. Um, so that's his one, his one, one person. Uh, the, ne the next person I think that has influenced me is my mentor, of almost now 21 years. Um, his name is uh, Vusi Sidinile. Um, there's interesting similarities between us. I think we both started as engineers uh, and then migrated more towards the business side of things. Uh, he's a lot calmer than me, really? more matured than me. Uh -huh. and uh, You seem to be quite calm. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Oh yeah, I think you're seeing the, the matured version of me, right? Yes. So, so he, he's worked hard to get me to where I am, to be a more matured um, family man and a business person, mm. and a business leader. Um, but other than those two, th there's two friends that I met when I started uh, uh, my career in the oil industry, my very, very first job. I met two friends, we're still friends until today. It's John Lomo and, uh, and Mandla Shezi. Uh, they've had an immense uh, influence in my life and some of the early decisions I made, you uh -huh. know, regarding studying and even doing an MBA. <laughs> so, uh, and, and they've kept on stretching me in terms of not 
don't be content with just where you are. You know, always think about what's the next best thing. You know, those so are good friends to have. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So, uh, so I've been very, very fortunate. Now, I uh, am a big disciple of what Ntate Mohale calls "lift as you rise." Uh, so, what you see on my LinkedIn profile, it's really about my way of practicing that lift as you rise. Uh, so I spend a great deal of my time uh, coaching and mentoring uh, youngsters, whether they work with me or elsewhere, you know, and, and I'm very proud uh, that uh, at least I have one of the people that I mentored all my life being currently today the CEO of BP South Africa. Mm. Um, so, so it's at least work that is for me, it's very fulfilling uh, and that will probably be part of my legacy over time. Yeah, that's good. We all need to contribute, yeah. but with sound values, as you say, yeah. to thrive towards that. You have experienced challenging times in your journey of uh, fatherhood. Um, I remember at one time you missed my life celebration because of yeah. um, a challenge. What wisdom can you share with couples going through such challenges and what helps keeps, keep the love in your union, especially? Um, as life partners and spouses when you go through such a challenging time to become a father and a mother? Yeah, you know, it's, it's difficult to talk about wisdom of parenthood <laughs> and fatherhood. It's, it's, it's a life uh, learning activity. You keep on learning, you know. Um, you can never say, I'm mastering this. Um, but I think one of the most important decisions I've made in my life, uh, and, and, and jokingly I tell my friends that the best negotiation I've ever won in my life was convincing my wife to marry me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but she's, she's an incredible person, an incredible soul. We are different uh, in terms of personalities, but we are so aligned in terms of uh, values, um, values about love, about family, mm. um, about religion. Um, and that I think is a key ingredient uh, when parents are joined to the hip at that level. It makes parenting much manageable. Uh, you are able to set good examples and teachings to your children because they are pretty much learning from you uh, and practicing what you preach. What keeps us together, I think, also as a family, is uh, you know our relationship has always been based on on love, on, on respect, and fear of God. And uh, respect, very very important. Um, and it's it's not something you should just talk about. It's something that you should actually practice, in especially in key decision making. No matter how small the decisions are, right? Uh, it's 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 for me. I think it's it's key. But yeah. I keep learning, um, but also I think uh, when it comes to parent, parenthood, it's also acknowledging that there is a, a greater power above that that has enabled um, uh, the children to come through you, um, but not necessarily for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a distinction yeah. many parents miss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so we have to play our part to to raise them uh, to be responsible uh, because they also have a duty to fulfill later on. 
Okay. Yeah, like my youngster who's eight always say, it's a circle of life, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is. <laughs> Too much Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the craze, even to this day. <laughs> so what's the most courageous decision you have taken thus far in your life and what drove you to that decision? Yeah, I think leaving a, a big shell uh, for me was probably the biggest uh, courageous decision to make. It's a decision I'm making very late in my career. And uh, I mean, I've I've had a very fantastic career with the business. I would say almost a comfortable, mm. uh, you know, environment. I, I knew exactly how to operate in that environment. But there's something in me that was still missing. And part of my end game was, you know, I, I really want to get to a point where I am fully in charge. And uh, But most importantly, build a legacy and make a bigger contribution to my country. And... Um, so yeah, it was a very difficult decision to make uh, with a lot of consultation. You can imagine starting with the big boss at home mm. who was saying, what? Mm. <laughs> are you gambling you know, now? <laughs> are, are you now gambling? Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was. Uh, but I'm glad I made that decision. Uh, you know, I'm, I was very happy uh, I made that call. And I'm very excited to be part of, 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 of the royal family. Uh, you know, great uh, individuals, great entrepreneurs uh, who basically built a business from nothing to what it is today. Yeah. Uh, so I'm learning quite a lot, uh, you know, that aspect about entrepreneurship, mm. uh, which I probably missed earlier on <laughs> in my career. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that that's probably the decision. Yeah. Better late than never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of us got the scars. <laughs> <laughs> Already, but they're beautiful scars. They let the oh, light yeah. shine through. Yeah, and hopefully bring good to the world. Uh, what What is your biggest insecurity? Uh, I would say fear of failure. But that, to a certain extent, is also a motivator for for me. Mm -hmm. In a sense that uh, when I you know, focus on something. I want to see it through. Uh, I, I never want to, to, to drop a ball. Whether it's around supporting any of my kids or, or family members to, you know, go through something. You know, I, I never want to let mm. uh, people down and let myself down. So I think that's, that fear has probably been one of the motivators to, to my success in many aspects of my life. Mm. Yeah. Now, the one that's a bit of a shocker to me cause yeah. I, is the fact that you are a jazz aficionado. What draws you to this genre of music? Aficionado? I'm not sure. Passionate about jazz? Definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Look, I think for me, it's, it's first passion for music. So I have a great passion for music, uh, influenced by my upbringing. I grew up in a church environment, so used to sing a lot. But outside church, uh, it's been the influence of uncles. You know, I used to spend a great deal of time with most of my uncles, and they were collecting music of different genres. So by the time I got to uni, I, I had a, you know, a, a good taste for music. Let's put it that way. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, 
I love smooth jazz. I can't do yeah. the deep stuff. Like, yeah, but, sample but it's, it's a, all those it's, I can do. It's interesting. Most of us who today we call ourselves jazz of Yeshanados is uh, we started with smooth jazz because mm. it, it, it's, it lays the foundation yeah. for most of us, mm. right? And later on we would migrate. But I think when I got to uni, um, I met, uh, you know, uh, somebody who's remain a friend for many years he was like you he was doing his honors at the time yeah. so you were attracted uh, to the honors <laughs> yeah yes. so he was he was studying jazz mm. uh, saxophone and and that's how very soon with him i got to hang around with the likes of uh, prafea faku you know lex fuchani concord because yeah. we stayed in the same race yes. right so so i think the influence got deeper and deeper okay yeah, and, and when I started working, then, you know, these two guys I mentioned earlier on, Man Lachese in particular, just took it to another level as well. So, so yeah, but just for me, it's, I, I always say it's, it's simple, but it can be a very sophisticated piece of art. Mm -hmm. And, you know, married to an artist myself, uh, I <laughs> yeah. couldn't help but uh, create this deeper appreciation for the arts, right? Yeah. Um, but it's well, uh, and you're quite dedicated. You're always posting oh, yeah, on yeah, IG. Yeah, you know, so anybody <laughs> who wants to follow, <laughs> follow, let's be there. Yeah. But um, so in, uh, between 2016 and 2020, you were the distribution operations manager at Shell. You are based in the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you learn about yourself living outside of your comfort zone and birth country? Uh, there was a very exciting ex uh, assignment for me, uh, and and you know international assignment by na their nature they are meant for you know as broadening uh, assignments uh, to give you a different cultural background. I was very fortunate, although I was based in the UK, I, I looked after a portfolio of six countries uh, uh, that included uh, the UK, uh, Denmark, uh, and what we call the Benelux and France. Benelux would be uh, Belgium, uh, Netherlands, and, and Luxembourg. So different cultures. So that first thing about, you know, first big lesson about myself was, uh, you know, all along I never thought I'd be scared. But, you know, there was that element of me initially when I started to say, okay, how am I going to tackle this? Uh, but soon I quickly built my confidence around the people, right? Uh, the second lesson I think for me was, Understanding that the certain things that uh, you might have grown up with uh, or gotten used to operating in South Africa, mm. but when you operate in in a in a different cultural setup like that, that there's the need to unlearn some certain things and, mm. and learn new things, because eventually it's really about how do you hone your skills of operating in different cultural setups and still get the business results and 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 the motivated teams that you'd like to. Mm. like to get so it was quite a fulfilling experience i think in many ways or the other i made a lot of uh, friends um fewer enemies <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah you go through this phase of of trying to adjust uh more so as a family you know so what we've learned a lot and appreciated about ourselves as a family is that we can actually survive outside South Africa and the things that we've worked hard to build a very solid you know family foundation actually helped us 
to be able to navigate some of those challenges of living outside your own country where there's no immediate family support. Yeah, yeah. so you depend on each other. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been married to your wife, Sigi? Can you share some wisdom on choosing a life partner that makes this roller coaster journey a joy? <laughs> it's, it's been 21 years eh, since wow. we've been married uh, uh, June this year. Mm -hmm. um, earlier on, I did hint around the importance of finding someone who at least shares the same values with you, because I think that's key. Uh, I think most relationships, when you don't have shared values, probably it's the starting point of disaster. So I was very fortunate in, in that case, uh, to meet someone that, um, uh, you know, has, has a, a particular view uh, about family and how to raise a family. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to, how do you keep the fires burning, right, for 21 years? Mm. Because life is life and life happens. Mm. It's not that easy, you know, the excitement that you experience in the first, <laughs> you know, few months or a few years of dating, <clears throat> once kids come in, you know, it gets tough. So, but it's about always um, remembering the, the simple things that you enjoy together. Uh, you know, even if it means just go out for coffee yeah. and just look her in the eye, you know, it, it can make a difference. So, but there's certain things that uh, I think we, we've, always experience and enjoy it as a family and we keep doing them you know year in year out where did you meet uh, i mean i remember her from <laughs> advertising because she was advertising with me yeah so 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 i met my wife at uni really so this is what happened so i was uh, i think in 92 first time i met her mm. i was doing uh, vec work so when other people were doing VEC work at their businesses, I was doing my VEC work that December at the Department of uh, uh, Chemical Engineering at uni. Okay. Then she so happens to accompany her sister, younger sister who was looking for, okay. or, to, or came to do an application for the following year. And uh, that's, I met both of them. They were asking me for directions to go to the student union, or I can't remember, one of the buildings yeah. there. And that's, that's how we met. But, I mean, we became friends first yeah. uh, before we started going out. We started going out later. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah, that's how long I've known her since, since then. <laughs> yeah, that is long. So you met her even before I met her because I think I met her, what, 95, Oh, yeah, when you guys started working, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just before we wrap up, if you could change one thing that you've done in life and you wish you had done it differently, what is it and why would you do differently? And what is the wisdom you have gained that you see that thing differently mm -hmm. today than you did then? Yeah, that's a very difficult question, right? But maybe if I zoom into the career space. So if I look at my career, so there's a few mistakes that I made earlier on in my career. Um, lack of focus and being all over the place. And I think... Uh, finding a mentor later on helped a great deal. But if there's one decision maybe that I said, hmm, I could have made it different, but it was a difficult one, was around when do I move away from what I call sort of operational roles and more into a PNL role. And so there was a toss before deciding to take the assignment in the UK whether I needed to take a PNL role or give the family an international experience. So it's a trade-off I made. 
but I don't, I don't have any regrets about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but to anyone, I think, um, who wants to be a business leader, and to the people I mentor, I always say to them, it's so important to define that end game. And if that end game is PNL, you want to start and have the PNL experience earlier on in your career. But if your end game is more specialization in a particular field, again, you want to make sure that you start, you know, doing your 10,000 hours in that field, right? Oh. Uh, in order to get there. What legacy do you want to leave behind? Uh, earlier on, I talked about, you know, grooming future responsible and ethical leaders. I think that's one. Mm -hmm. um, I even have a simple number in mind, you know. Really? Share the number? So I, I said, you know, before I die, I want to at least count a thousand people who are leaders across different fields that I say, yeah, I've had an impact in their lives. I think I'm on sort of count number 50 at the moment, but mm -hmm. uh, getting there. That's good. No, <laughs> so, that's good. So it's a concerted effort, right? Yeah. It's how I do this is that I literally block out an hour a week of my time to coach someone. That's good. Yeah. Deliberate. Even yeah. the systematic thing still comes in. It <laughs> Yeah, that's one part of my legacy. I think the second one, I think I want to leave responsible, uh, you know, and, and highly focused kids. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's what we're working hard towards within Tiki to make sure that we build uh, responsible adults and, uh, you know, and maybe in the process, maybe create a little bit of wealth for them as well. Yeah. As a start. A good, a good foundation. Yeah. That's good because I was always running away from putting a target in yeah, terms yeah. of um, <laughs> this ethical building, ethical leaders. And yeah. I've decided that I want to have a million ethical leaders that yeah. have impacted by the time I take my last breath. So yeah. I, I would love the universe to assist me with that. It will, right? So, Once you set yourself yeah. a target, at least you know you're going to work towards yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so, in wrapping up, what wisdom would you like to share that uh, can end our conversation? <laughs> Look, I, I spoke about the importance of a balanced life, right? Uh, look, look at your life uh, holistically. Uh, career cannot be your life. It's part of. Uh, I think that's number one for me. Secondly, I think it's around part of that balance is, is also have fun. You know, it can always be about work, work, work. Uh, and that fun, again, you know, if you are a family person, it's fun for the family, not just fun for you, right? Because everybody needs to experience that balance in life. Uh, I think thirdly for me, it's, it's around what I spoke about, the importance of having an end game in mind and, and having people around you that will help and support you too, towards what's getting there and lastly uh, I think for me it's always reminding all leaders that leadership is not about us it's about those we lead and um, it's 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 not about what we as individuals will get out of it but it's around how do we deliver exceptional business results and in the process develop highly motivated uh, individuals or teams that will will th thrive and continue to thrive even long before you are gone. 
you know, after you are gone. Sorry, you know. So um, that's that's for me. I think it's it's one of the things that keeps me going every day when I wake up to say I'm going to make a difference today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is part of why we're having this conversation because I think yeah. um, we are lacking role models that have depth. I think we mm -hmm. all look at people who make headline news, yeah. who are very articulate, and we miss people like you, I think, um, that you are such a gem, I think, for our country, and I think for a new generation, I'm eager for them to find a new role model and to follow you, and to uh, be inspired by the way you have um, exercised wisdom, I think, in terms of how you've um, led your career. So I hope you find this conversation as fulfilling as I have. Yeah, thanks for having me and much appreciated the opportunity and yeah, I hope those who will watch this will pick up one or two things that uh, can impact their lives positively. And, and thanks to you for such a wonderful platform that you've created and I'm sure you are going to reach your target of one million. <laughs> In fact, multiply that by ten. Thank you. <laughs> to the universe. Yes. <laughs> it is as if no time has passed at all since our student years when we could spend hours chatting and watching television at John Buse residence on campus. Hope you have enjoyed this conversation with another wise African. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wisdom Personified Conversations with Durum Somi. Please also like, follow and subscribe to our channel and share the wisdom with your friends. I would love it if you could rate and review as well. Wisdom Personified Conversations with Durum Somi is also available on YouTube, Facebook Watch, Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Enjoy the wisdom journey.